Today's show is brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible, offering an optimal blend of accuracy and readability. The CSB helps readers make a deeper connection with God's Word and inspires lifelong discipleship. The CSB is equally suited for serious study or for sharing with your neighbor hearing God's Word for the very first time. I love the Christian Standard Bible, and I think you will too. Learn more at csbible.com. Hi, Dr. Murray. How are you? Doing well, Jeff. Good to talk to you today. Oh, thanks for coming on the show. Now, I know you're up in Michigan. What's the weather like up there today? Well, if I look out the window, it looks like Texas. If I walk out the door, it feels like Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. If I look out the window here, it is cloudy. But if I I just came from outside and it's nice and humid and I worked up a nice little sweat just walking from my driveway to my house. Oh, well, um, the only sweat we work up here is clearing the snow. <laughs> yeah, I see. I've never done that, ever. <laughs> I've, I've lived in Texas my whole life. Oh, wow. Now, well, you should, you should come up here sometime and see how the other half lives. Oh, I'd love to. Now, you guys, are you, are you close to Detroit? See, I don't even know Michigan that well. Um, well, we keep trying to get rid of Detroit, you know, asking if Canada would uh, pull it across the lake, but yeah. the, so far they've refused to do so. But no, we're about two and a half hours away from Detroit, so that's over in the east, we're in the west of Michigan. Are you a, are you a basketball fan? Mm, not really. Um, soccer was my sport, okay. and since I've come here, I've really got into college football, so go and watch Michigan State from time to time. All right, there you go. Yeah, I went to a small Bible college in Houston, so I, college sports, I I just don't track with as much, but my wife does. She loves them, but I'm, okay. I'm, I'm a big NBA basketball fan. Love it. I'd like to get into it, Jeff. It's just, you know, how do you get the time to do it all? So, yeah. It's tough, yeah, especially you burn yourself out following too many sports. <laughs> yep, American. That's right. Now, for the listeners out there who maybe don't know who you are, all what you do, would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself, family, and, and your job? Sure thing. So, I'm David Murray. I am from Scotland, in case you hadn't guessed that already. I came over here to Grand Rapids about 10 years ago. I was called to teach at a Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary. I teach Old Testament and Practical Theology. Prior to that, I pastored in Scotland for 12 years and uh, did a little bit of teaching in a very small seminary. Uh, since coming here, uh, we uh, I've also taken on uh, part-time pastoring. It was something I was really missing in my life. And eventually, as my lectures got developed, I felt there was margin to take that on. And I find it a really good mix to have the the teaching, academic side of things, but mixed in with local church, real life, real people, real problems. It, it, each flavors the other and influences the other for good. So that's that's been a good mix for me. Sometimes getting the balance right is tricky, but on the whole, it works well. Uh, in terms of my family, I'm married to Shona. She also comes from Scotland. We've been married for 25 years or so. And we have five children. The oldest is 21. He's in the Marine Corps. And the youngest is Scott. He's three. He was a uh, a late one, shall we say, 10 years after all the rest. And in between, I have another son and two daughters. So plenty to keep me busy. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, you definitely do. Now, what's what's something you do for fun? 
Well, fun is fishing for me. I really love getting out. I've got a little boat, and especially in the fall and spring, I love doing salmon fishing here in Michigan. It's just tremendous fishing. In the summer, I do a wee bit of bass fishing. And in the winter, we, as a family, we encountered our first Michigan winter in 2007, and it was it was really a shocker. I couldn't believe how cold it was, how much snow there was. <laughs> and I thought, right, either we just, you know, close the door, hunker down, get under the blankets and yeah. wait for a few months, or else we embrace it. And we decided to embrace it. We went out, we got all the clothes, snow clothes and equipment, and now we are regular downhill skiers. Oh, um, wow. Well, they call them Michigan mountains. They're, they're kind of hills, but they're, they're good enough, and it's a good family activity, and it's great to be outdoors on a cold winter's day now. Yeah, it is It is nice. I know in, in Texas we don't get to crank up our, our fireplaces very often, but when we do, <laughs> oh, it's great. We love yeah. it. Good. Now, now you are a, a prolific writer. You've, you've written a lot. You, you write a, a lot on your blog, but also you've written a lot of books, and one of my favorites of your books is it's the really short one on I think it's how sermons work. Mm. I think it's you know there's a lot of great preaching texts out there. You have Brian Chapel and you have mm. Keller's latest edition and Martin Lloyd Jones and all kinds of wonderful preaching texts. But what was so great about yours is just found it immediately uh, practical, helpful, different ways to think about illustrations and just titling your sermon and crafting your points like all of the. All those things, man, I loved it. So we, we buy that book for guys all the time and for our elders and guys that we're training in our church planning residency say, read this book on preaching. So thank you so much for writing that. Well, thanks, Jeff. It seems to have been a good book for, for people just beginning. All these other texts you mentioned are, you know, they're, they're your kind of blue chip books. It's what everyone wants to get to. But my little book is it's a sort of intro it's a stepping stone into that and a lot of elders have found it useful who don't have the time really to plow through a lot of books and work it out it was really it was originally written for my elders and to help them when they were going out to preach and so yeah. it's it's used as a as an introductory textbook to preaching really i just tried to keep it really practical more on the the how-to's rather than the why-to's that's good. Now, what are some of the other books that you've you've written? Well, uh, I also wrote just before that a little book called Christians Get Depressed Too. And that really came out of some, it's really, it was a very personal story with my wife unexpectedly ending up in a very deep depression with our fourth child and some years after that. And it just there was a lot of processing for me to do in that. It it, it kind of turned my world upside down. Mm. I was basically of the view Christians did not get depressed. If you did, you were not a Christian. And <laughs> when your godly wife gets depressed, that sort of changes a lot of wow. your presuppositions. So I tried to work through that with her over a number of years and did a lot of study and reading. And again, it's just it's a very introductory book. And... It might, it might call it Depression 101, and there are many other bigger, better books, but a lot of people have found it helpful who are in the pit and can't read the big books. Um, so these were my first two books, and then I wrote Jesus on Every Page, which is uh, helping people find and love and enjoy Christ yes. in the Old Testament. Loved that book, brother. Oh, thank you. Um, and then wrote one called The Happy Christian, which was 
I suppose the other side of the coin of Christians get depressed too is more or less saying Christians can be happy too. And um, that didn't go down so well in the reformed world that I inhabit, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) we're very suspicious of happiness, I think. Yeah. Um, And then more recently, Reset, which is addressed to men, suffering, burnout, anxiety, stress, that kind of thing. Now, how how long have you been writing? You would say from from how sermons work to here now, Reset is it's on its way. Um, mm. I think by the time this episode comes out, Reset will be out and available on mm. Amazon. Uh, how long have you been at the craft of writing? I think about seven years, Jeff. And it, it wasn't something I ever planned to get into. It's like most things in my life, I sort of stumble into things or well, I should put it more theologically, God leads me mm. into them. Um, it wasn't something I planned. I never. I was a preacher. That okay. was how I viewed myself, especially in Scotland. I just wanted to be uh, involved in the oral delivery of the word. So I never wrote out my whole sermons. I find that often stilted my delivery if I tried it. So you know, worked on really just outlines and trying to develop an oral style that would just feel like a conversation, like someone talking to you rather than somebody reading something that's been written. And I remember when I came to the seminary, Joel Beakey saying, hey, how about some books? You know, I said, oh, Joel, I'm, I'm just, I'm not a writer. I'm a speaker. I'm a preacher. They said, no, well, you keep thinking about this, you know, because you can get so much more influence if you, you know, write. Books can get where you can't get. And he kept prodding gently and um, eventually, obviously, I'm writing out lectures now when I came here in a way that I was not writing out sermons. And really, how sermons work came out of lectures. And then Christians Get Depressed too came out of lectures. And I, again, I didn't really feel it was my forte. I, I, I felt it was, I couldn't really compare my writing to the the superstars of Christian authorship. Uh, but I suppose I didn't really try to be like them. What I was working on was writing in a way that was immensely practical. Yeah. I just wanted a focus on results from my writing. And that's really what's driven me all the way along. Um, Nancy Guthrie had a good chat with me a number of years ago after I'd written my first two and said, hey, you should get an agent. It would really help you mm. get your work out to, in front of other publishers. And I did. I, I, she put me in contact with Legacy, a woman there, Cross and Stewart, who, again, is just a tremendous prodder and encourager and pushing me on. And, uh, you know, she did open doors. I'm really thankful for her. And I suppose as you begin to see your book's beginning to be read more widely that that does motivate you as well hey i better get better at this and 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 really develop my craft and style a bit more it's so good man i i love just kind of hearing the the journey of how the books came to fruition and and uh, working with an agent is i think now in our our day and age unless you are kind of this mega church pastor it's like having an agent is so is so critical for the publishing world um, yeah, very much, especially if it's, you know, somebody you feel you're on the same page with spiritually. And I, I really felt that with Cross and Stewart. She's, you know, you just feel at one with her and you, you 
trust her to represent you faithfully. And uh, actually, one other thing, Jeff, I should have said was blogging was huge. Mm. Uh, I, I had a student here probably about 2009-10 who really kept saying hey Dr. Murray you've got to get into blogging you've got to get into Facebook you've got to get into Twitter and I was like no no way I just don't want involved in that and he just kept pushing and pushing me eventually set me up in these things and started saying come on this is what you do and it was really helpful it was Michael DeWalt I don't know if you've heard of him no I don't think so no but yeah he just kept prodding me and again when you actually have to put words out on a blog and they're read and it's open to critique and comment, it really pushes you to yeah. develop and hone and craft and you know be be brief and yet pointed and mm-hmm. helpful. So I suppose just a number of these forces came together. Again, I just it was reluctantly I was going into it, but you know, thankfully the Lord kept pushing through these people. And and your blog is at is it headhearthand.com or dot org? Dot org. Dot yeah. org. Yeah. One thing that just is so evident in your writing, whether that's on the blog or in your books, and you can even tell by the subtitles in your books, they're immensely practical and so needed. When sometimes writing can be very I'm not I don't want to say the word's not theological, but just um in the clouds. Right. Sometimes, right. but you really do help bring it down. It, were there influences in your life that, okay, this has got to become practical? Is that coming from the background of, of being a pastor or just of being a pastor? Yeah, that's right, Jeff. I think being a pastor first and foremost and and learning through mistakes in pastoring, you know, when you're just preaching and you're you're just above the heads of people and it's not connecting. It forces you more and more to reevaluate what you're doing. Um, but actually, I think the biggest influence in my life in that area was a, a Reformed Baptist pastor, Al Martin. He's an older man now, but he was he was quite a big name in, in when I was just beginning. And his his lectures on practical theology and his preaching in general were just really challenging to me in that they just get into the the detail of living the Christian life and the detail of mm-hmm. pastoring in a way that I, I just hadn't come across anywhere else. Like it was practical theology with the emphasis on the practical. And and I felt its power in my own life. And I think that's you know one of the big things that have have influenced me where I have felt helped and influenced and impacted by somebody, I ask, okay, well, why is this having such an impact? Why is this changing me? And then try and say, okay, well, you know, let's try and incorporate that into my own ministry too. So for example, you know, R.C. Sproul's writing, profound theology, but in such a simple manner of delivery. Um, John Piper, Again, tremendous theology, but man, it's so passionate mm-hmm. and and so full of emotion and feeling. You know, this is how theology should be communicated. Um, I think of Kevin DeYoung, maybe, uh, who again is you know tremendously ed- well educated, great theology, but it comes across so personal. You feel like you're getting to know Kevin yeah. as as he writes and. So all these men and others too, just feeling the impact of their their writing and speaking, and thinking, okay, how can I 
developing these areas because I, 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 if I feel this, I think others will feel this too. Yeah, that's good. What, what are some ways that we can try to make our writing more practical? Are there like, so when you are, when maybe when you were writing, um, either a blog post or are working on the happy Christian and are you thinking of maybe historical events in your own life? Or you're thinking of people that you know and, and you have them in mind as you're sitting down at the keyboard? Or just or maybe what are some tips you could give to help make our writing more practical? I think I, I learned it through preaching mainly, Jeff. So if I look back at my early preaching, it was it was more, it was lacking in practical application. I thought it was application, but it was vague. It was general. It was not really as concrete and specific enough that would either bring people to true conviction or you know really encourage them to go out and be and do and i I think one of the mistakes preachers make is they they focus the vast majority of their effort on exegesis and theological interpretation and then sort of tag on okay, I'll spend, you know, 20 minutes doing some application here. And then in the sermon, it's maybe two minutes. Mm. And what I started doing was forcing myself, okay, I think I've got my sermon ready here. I've got all the theology, I've got all the exegesis, I've got all the homiletics, I've got all the, everything right in place. But now I'm not getting off this chair for another hour or two until with the Lord's help, I really work out how is this going to change people's lives? How can I make this as concrete, as real life, as as livable as I possibly can. And it's hard work. People think application's easier than exegesis. I don't think so. Mm. I think the challenge, the greatest challenge of all is bringing your exegetical and theological conclusions into contact with everyday life. And I, I do believe the Lord really blesses it. When I started that in my preaching, I began to see a significant difference in how people listened and how people were living and also in um, how people were attending, actually. Mm. And so I suppose it's just carried over into my writing as well. That's good. I, I think if I could kind of piggyback on that, when I think of people who are who are listening, maybe the stay-at-home mom or she's tinkering with a blog and going, okay, how can I make my writing more practical since you know, I don't get to preach um, yeah. at our church. So what, I think if you tie it together just with being a pastor and being in a Christian community, I think just knowing people. Yeah, knowing people. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the most important thing. Uh, you know, when you're out and about in your congregation or amongst your Christian fellowship and friends, you, you, your, your whole way of thinking changes and and it earths you and brings you brings you sort of to real ordinary everyday life and I, i've seen i've seen especially you know i watch students here a lot at the seminary and i they're they're preaching when they start is usually you know it's undeveloped but it's got quite a good balance and as they go through seminary it gets more theological and less practical mm. and then when they go out into their first congregations it's it's like that and people are struggling if i hear them two or three years down the road i say aha you know we're back to where we should be and I, again that's just partly the environment you're in the people you're with and that's why it's just so vital for pastors and writers to, to just get out and about 
Yeah, man, that's so true. Think about just the preaching at, at our church and, and me as the guy who preaches most of the time, just mm-hmm. that the differences in my preaching in the past, you know, five years. And then also the differences in my writing in the past, mm-hmm. you know, five years, just because of knowing the people and, and being more acquainted with, with my own heart and mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. more aware of my own sins and my own temptations. Um, it all changes the way we communicate and the way we want to see people uh, hear God's word and learn God's word. So, so I think the same applies to our writing. Yep. Yep. Perfectly true. Yep. Now, what do you think is the hardest part about writing for you? Is it the beginning? Is it the ending? Is it the editing? I actually love the editing. I learn so much from it. I always tell my editors when I submit to them, I say, look, I said, I'm the kind of guy that's going to take 97% of your edit. So, Go for it, because I want to learn here. Again, I I didn't have a great high school education, and I've always felt my English was not where it should be and could be. So I just view these as really helpful learning exercises. When you've got a really well-trained editor, all my editors I've just been so thankful for. And, yeah, I just wish I could remember half of what they taught me. So the editing side, I really like. Um, I like the initial stage, you know, when you're really, you've, you've got this momentum, you've got a passion, you know what you want to say, and you get a plan and you start going. The hardest bit for me, I would say, is revision. Mm. And yet it is probably the most important part in the whole process. And just that, I find it just the the toll it takes on my mind to bring um, the knife to what I have written uh, and yeah. to start compressing and cutting out waste or secondary things. Uh, that is... I mean, that just totally exhausts me uh, in ways that nothing else does. And it's actually got worse since I read a book uh, by Zinzer, William Zinzer, on writing well. Oh, yeah. The first 20 or so pages of that book were a life changer for me. He has, and he, he shows an exercise he did with a student. He's got two pages, they're sort of photos in the book of, oh, yeah. of a manuscript. And you basically, you you read it and you say, well, you know, you can't summarize that anymore. And then he gets going at it with his knife or his pen and he starts and you begin to see how much waste, yes. how much fluff. And it was revolutionary to me. And I've really worked hard at, at applying that to my own writing. And yet it is still the hardest thing for me to do but i think it's 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 the key to understanding and and remembering in our readers uh, wordiness to me is is like a capital sin mm. and it's it just puts up smoke it puts up cloud in front of people's understanding and a lot of our wordiness is trying to impress others. And, you know, for me, the, the great aim in writing is not what a great writer he is, but more, right, okay, what do I have to believe? What do I have to do? What do I have to be? And really, the writer's forgotten. 
it's it's more the content that is the focus. Mm, that's really good, man. That's so so true. That I remember reading that Zisner book too, and just being struck by those those photocopies. It was, it was like seeing an autopsy, you know, it's like, oh my goodness. And then, you know, you go sit down and, and look at your own writing and go, look at all of this. Like I get paranoid every time I write the yeah. word that. Every time I type that, either in a in a tweet or in an email or something, I'm always looking, oh, can I take that out? Is, yeah. you know, I, am I going to get judged by my writer friends that I, I have too many that's in there? Well, I mean, I, I, I make that prescribed reading for our students in our preaching class here. Uh, just, you know, you don't need to read this whole book, but just read these pages and then do it. And now, yeah, they read it, but don't do it. And I really, if I had more time, I would try and do a Zinzer with them. Because mm. I think once you get that, it you don't need someone sitting beside you anymore. Yeah. He's sitting on your shoulder. As yeah. you said, you never forget these these photocopied pages. Yeah. Now, so so you just you know f turned in the manuscript for reset. I imagine a few months back, and the, you got at the edits, you did the revisions. But what what was your writing routine like? Like, do you aim for so many words a day? Are you just writing on the weekends, early morning? Yeah, I'm not a word count person, but I am. I have a very set routine of writing, and for me, the mornings are key. So I try to be at my desk between 7, 7.30, and I shut off email, text, notice on the door, telephone, everything is off. And you know, Unless somebody's just died in the corridor, I don't want to hear about it or know about it. And I really, it's, it's like laser intensity for three, four, five hours, five hours if I can, mm -hmm. up till you know, 12, 12.30 four or five days a week if if I can. I try and have all my lectures scheduled for the afternoon. I try to do all my writing, uh, sorry, all my admin and meetings in the afternoon. That doesn't always work, but that is my my ideal. And that if that's tiring for me, that morning session of writing. It's but it's these are my best hours. And even if I'm only half speed the rest of the day, it's not such important stuff. Sure. You know, meetings and admin and emails and things like that. So to me, that's my that's my ideal. How many times do I accomplish it each week? Three or four, probably. Um, and if I'm working on a book, it's probably even more focused. That's good. What about uh, coffee? Do you have coffee? Are you doing oh, yeah. jumping jacks <laughs> or anything like that? No, I, I do have a stand-up desk. I had some health issues a number of years ago. You can read about it in Reset, unfortunately. But I had blood clots formed in my legs that then went to my lungs. And so nowadays I try and do one hour sitting, one hour standing. I just have a, it's an electronic thing. I just press a button and up goes all, everything on my desk. Do that for an hour, then sit down. I think that it really helps my energy levels as well as my posture and what else and yeah coffee is a big thing and uh, just just try and keep that um, level of of energy and focus for these hours and you know it's it might maybe takes me an hour to really get going 
But once I get going, it's um, it's a joy. I love it. I, I mean, I used to hate it, Jeff. I used yeah. to hate writing. You told me to write out a sermon before I came to Grand Rapids. I just, oh, no, I couldn't bear that. Yeah. Uh, but now I find the Lord ministers to me. I find the Lord's help immensely in it. And it's just a wonderful feeling to you know, eventually walk out of the office after four or five hours at this and sense, hey, I've been in the Lord's presence mm-hmm. here and he's really helped me. And it, it's almost as good as preaching with the Lord's help. Not quite, but um, it's still a wonderful experience. Yeah, yeah like I, I used to, so I've been preaching, I think I gave my first sermon on a Sunday morning when I was probably 21, 22. Okay. And it was on Genesis 17 on Abraham's circumcision. Okay. Right. That was like tossed into the deep end. I, I felt uh-huh. like, and we're still here, you know, uh-huh. still, still alive 10 years later. And, That's great. and now like, I guess back then I did an outline, but then when I became the lead pastor of our, of our church, I switched to manuscripting. I just okay. thought, I thought I'm going to yeah. give this a try because yep. kind of like you, I, I had a very bad uh, experience in high school. L- it, yeah, l- yeah. Listeners of the podcast will know I've said it many times that I've cheated my whole way through English in high school. I just <laughs> did not pay attention. No, I know. I'm with you, Jeff. I don't think I read any of the books in high school. No, no, no. You're, I think you're my long lost brother, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then the, some, then I went to Bible college and I'm yeah. sitting in class and I realize I just cheated my whole way through high school. Right. Like I, I can't cheat here. This is a Bible college. Like what, what am I doing with myself? You know? So a lot okay. of repentance and, and then I had to develop study skills and you got to write papers and oh. you know, uh, hermeneutics and all that stuff and all that. And then now manuscripting sermons. And so now every week, I'm, you know, writing 2,000, 2,500 words for my sermon yep. okay. and just yep. kind of developing that habit of writing. I, so I, I do encourage pastors that I know and, and friends around us to say, Hey, if you wanted to grow in your writing and just grow in your communicating, mm-hmm. that just tinker with manuscripting your sermons, you know, see, don't write it like a seminary paper, write, right. it, write it like you speak absolutely, and, and see how that goes. Yeah, that's. I think that's the key. It's not really so much whether you use a manuscript or not. It's, I think, two things: how much you depend on it, and what kind of manuscript you've got. Is it is it a written word that you're trying to deliver orally, or is it written for oral delivery? Mm. That's good. That's really good. And I, when I think about writing, I, think, I don't know if it was Piper that said it before or, or someone else. That so I don't. It's like I really discover what I believe about something when I write about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, it, it's hugely helpful for clarifying your thinking, and and that's you know when I have written out sermons, and I've done it more since I've come here. Still not. I still find it very hard to use a manuscript in the pulpit, but as part of the preparation, doing a more thorough write out. There's no question it improves your thinking and then ultimately your delivery of the sermon because you just you can't waffle when you see words on the page. You know if they're if yeah. they're if they're connected or not, if they are accurate or not, and and so on. Yeah, that's right. And what, when the, I think it helps when I'm doing my manuscripts or when I'm writing for my blog or, or you know for another website is that you can see what you have before you and going how can I trim this. Mm, am mm. I am I repeating the same idea over and over in a paragraph 
and how can I condense it? What word picture can I come up with to really make it pop and kind mm. of kind of mm. crackle in the heart and the mind so it'll stick, so it'll lodge in there? Um, yeah, I think some of the some of the secular writers have got a lot to teach us. I for my sort of reading pleasure, I don't I don't actually read a lot of theology outside of my work because you know that's what I do when I go home. My mind is a bit you know, foggy and tired. So I I actually read quite a lot of non-fiction bestsellers, um, usually scan the New York Times bestsellers list. I I like biographies, I like business books, leadership books. Um, They they have a lot to teach us in how to communicate. They're not bestsellers for nothing. Mm -hmm. And I think we can look at what they're doing and translate that better into Christian writing. And again, you know, these bestsellers have been beautifully edited usually. And again, you just look at the pages and you try and figure out, you know, what's the thinking behind it? What are they actually doing? Why has this worked so well? And, And even if you're not consciously thinking that through, I find just being immersed from time to time and a few good books from these bestsellers it does it does change the way that that you are thinking about writing and speaking yeah what are now what are some of your favorite books on writing so you mentioned on writing well are are there any others out there that you would recommend to folks um I, I quite I quite like strunk and white um the elements of style yeah, I know it's not a, exactly important. <laughs> it's like the bare bones, but you get these basics right, a lot else will will fall into place. Uh, but I, I can't. I, I mean, I've read a bit of um, a, a few other bits and pieces of books on writing, Jeff. But I, I haven't read a lot on the actual craft of writing. What I I prefer to do is just read good, good writing, yeah. and and figure it out myself. Maybe like what's what's one guy or, or one one gal that they, they come out with a book and you you just know like I'm gonna read everything they write I'm gonna read it and maybe they're kind of a a model for you. Yeah, good question. Um, I like John Piper. I like Kevin DeYoung. I think they're really connecting really well with with the Christian community. Um, I like Tim Challey's writing. I know he's he's not writing so many books these days, but I just again I think he's got a tremendous skill in uh, figuring out what are what are the issues, and um, what is a biblical view of this, and how to communicate it simply. I mean, people might read Tim's writing at times and think, well, you know, that was probably written in half an hour. Well, you know, I know these things take hours to write mm-hmm. and. And, and the key is uh, the, is the simplicity. You know that doesn't come easily to anyone. Yeah. Uh, but it's not it's not simplistic. Um, there's real thought, and there's tremendous intellect involved in communicating complex issues in a simple way. Yeah. Um, just trying to think of some other writers I yeah, like. Yeah, Tim is such a, a gift because yeah, he could be churning out books as if he wanted to, yeah. but he is just the daily grind of blogging and helpful. Then you're so right. There's a there's a giant difference between simplistic and streamlined. Like, yep. Tim is he is streamlined. 
Yeah, and I know the hours he puts into it. You know, I write blog posts and a lot shorter time but you can see that you know that's his job and his the quality shows in his writing um whereas for myself i'm really much more focused on the the writing of books at the moment than writing of my blog yeah yeah for me the writers writers i love i, I just love anything that ray ortland writes 